0: Now we will turn, have the joy and privilege to turn in our paper copy of God's Word. If you've got it there, I invite you to turn there. And that's one thing that struck me. Again, I'll share little nuggets here and there as we go along over the next few weeks. One thing that struck me about Kenya is that in... So in about 17 days of on-the-ground ministry, the total trip was 20 days. Of course, a day and a half or two or three were traveling... Uh, kind of on each end. But the 17 days or so, we we're actually on the ground doing ministry. We did 14 church services in 17 days. 14 church services. And these were a three to four hour long, each church services. And some of those were five and six hours of worship and reading and praying and meeting people and all sorts of stuff. But many of the people there do not have... A Bible. Many of them can't read. Um, many can, and there are regions and pockets where you will find um, those things, but many of the churches in the area where I was had no Bible. A couple of times, the, just to give us a sense, the leader would say, if you have a Bible either with you or in your home, would you raise your hand? And oftentimes it was about one in 10 that could say they had a copy of God's Word. So we are very blessed. We are blessed. So open with me. Sorry, I'm a little emotional this morning. To Numbers chapter 14. We're going to read verses 1 through 9. I believe there was someone who was going to read for me. One of our new people. Welcome. Thank you.
1: Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land, to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, were among all those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. The land that flows with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. For they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them.
0: Thank you for that reading. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. Okay. This may seem like a very random passage to be in this morning, but I have a little story about why I feel moved to talk out of this passage this morning. It has to do, of course, with my time in Africa So for the first few church services when we were there, Pastor Julius had a neat way of introducing Tim, but not really a neat way of introducing me, uh, which is fine. It's not a big deal, but eventually something dawned on him that he ended up using throughout the rest of our trip, and it kind of became a thing. So whenever he was calling Tim up to speak, we would generally both of us would speak at at every service, so people were getting multiple sermons every service and they were a little shorter than probably what you're used to here maybe 15 20 minutes each something like that roughly but i would come up and then tim or vice versa and we were we were alternating and it was very effective actually it was a really neat way of doing things but when he would invite tim up he would say something like this and again this is all through an interpreter and translator so things were a little more they were different we'll just put it that way but it, but very good He would invite tim up and he would say some of you knew that the apostle paul wrote the first letter to timothy some of you know that he wrote the second letter to timothy well this morning we have before us paul's third letter to timothy and then he would so introduce uh, tim and he would come up and share and it was really a really neat a neat thing well then one day this is amazing quite frankly we were in a church Named what they called Canaan. Canaan for us as we say it. The church of Canaan, as they said it. And the pastor of this church's name was Joshua. And there was a visiting pastor there that day named Guess Caleb. So Joshua and Caleb in the church of of Canaan. And it dawned on Pastor Julius when we were at this church that um hmm, brother josh that's his name joshua and he started talking to the people about how i had come to kenya to spy out the land of kenya (laughs) and it became a thing this is joshua so he was always calling me joshua son of noon joshua son of noon has come to spy out the land of kenya and we pray that he goes back and gives a good report And even though there are many challenges in Kenya, sorry, I'm really emotional this morning, I can give a good report. Kenya is an amazing place. And though outwardly things aren't as put together perhaps or maybe as pretty as they are here, there are many in Kenya who deeply love God. And there is rich spiritual fruit In Kenya. And it broke my heart to have to share to the Kenyan people over and over again. That the opposite is true in America. America is dying. Spiritually. We have a lot of outward beauty and big church buildings and lots of money and amazing things. But spiritually the fruit is dying on the vine. And I had to share this over and over again. And it blew the people away. But I look at them, and I would say, in your poverty, you are richer than we are. Kenya is an amazing place, and there are many people there that deeply love Jesus and are serving him in some really special ways. So as Joshua, the son of Noon, I've come to give a good report of the land of Kenya. And there's a lot to share about it, and we'll have more time to do that in the coming coming, uh, weeks. But I chose this passage because it's one that I shared when I was in Kenya. I shared this message a couple of times. So uh, folks uh, in Africa, if any of you are watching and you've heard this a couple of times now, um, you'll know where I was inspired in your homeland. And I hope it blesses you again as you hear it. But I wanted to share something of what I along the lines of what I shared when I was there. So and I'm going to try and do it in the way that I shared it when I was there in Kenya Again, when you're doing 14 church services in 17 days, you don't have a lot of time to prepare things. You're sort of just adjusting as you go. And many of you know me, that's not my strength. I am not an off the cuff kind of person a stream of consciousness extemporaneous kind of preacher that's not who I am and I did my best to sort of adapt to the situation in Kenya and I believe the Lord blessed it but I wanted to share a little bit of some of what I talked about when I was there so we're in Numbers 14. If you have your Bible and you want to keep it before you, that's fine. Open it up and keep it there. We'll kind of talk a little bit about the passage. But many of you know the story. I want to give a little backdrop to uh, to what is happening. We've just got a little snippet or a sliver of a big, long story. Many of you will be very familiar with this story, and some of you will perhaps find this new. But um, Israel, for hundreds of years, were, were slaves in the land of Egypt, and God raised up a prophet, a mighty man of God named Moses, to go into Egypt and free the people, and after the people came out, of course God was working through Moses, it wasn't Moses himself that delivered the people, God did through him, but as they come out, they go through the wilderness, and they cross the Red Sea, and God's working signs and wonders and many uh, amazing miracles before the people. And they get to the edge of the land that God had promised to them. God had told them, I promised your forefathers the land and I'm going to take you there and I'm going to give the land to you. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And they get there and God says, send in some spies. Go check out the land so that you can see is exactly what I told you, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they appoint one from each tribe to go in. And when the spies came back, what did they say? What did they say? Many of you will know the story. Ten of them, as we just read, were in total fear. The people are big. Their cities are fortified. There's no way we can go in and take this land. We should go back to Egypt, basically. Let's find a leader, someone who can take us back to Egypt and they rebel but then there were two who and only two who believed god and said we can take these people god's promised us the land let's go in in obedience to god's command and in trusting his promise let's go into the land and those two were joshua and caleb and it was really great being able to preach this at this church and and uh kenya and i kept turning there was actually another pastor the pastor of the church name was joshua and caleb and i kept turning to them and saying faithful men like joshua and caleb and they really got a kick out of that but none of the people of israel were allowed to go in that's the the hard truth of the story right because of their unbelief because the spies Ten of the twelve gave a bad report and said, we can't do this. We're not going to trust God, basically. Let's go back to Egypt. And the people, instead of rebuking the spies and saying, no, we're going to trust God, they went along with them. And God said, for that, you're going to be disciplined and you won't be allowed to go into the promised land for lack of faith and not trusting God's promises. Well, what should they have done? What should Not only the spies, but the people. What should they have done? They should have trusted God, right? Should have believed his promise. Rested on his promise. Like Caleb did in Joshua. If you've got your Bible there, look at Numbers 14, verses 8 and 9. And we'll see exactly what Caleb says. He says, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. The protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. In other words, fear God, not man. Listen to God. Obey God. Follow him. Don't listen to man's lies and fears. Caleb said, yes, they're big. Yes, the enemies are strong. Yes, the walls are big. But I trust my God. Our God is bigger. He was trusting the promises of God. God had told them to go in and take the land. He had promised to give them the land. Caleb and Joshua believed god's word even though there were obstacles even though there were concerns perhaps they were resting on the promises of god god hasn't just made promises to them however he's made promises to you and to me and god always keeps his promises so for a few moments, I want us to think about what are some things that God has promised to us. Whatever your struggle is, your burden, your, your uh, concern, your anxiety, your, your problem this morning can almost guarantee you there is a promise from God that addresses it specifically. I want to invite you this morning to trust God's promise. And I just want to look at a few promises from our Lord This morning from our God, let's look at Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. If you've got again a copy of God's word, there's plenty in the pew. Grab one of those out if you don't have your own. Isaiah 41, verse 10. This is a promise from God. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's a promise. Bank on that promise. God's also promised, if we turn to the New Testament now, many wonderful things there. Turn to Matthew chapter 28, the very end of that gospel matthew 28 verse 20 so jesus this is called the great commission and he tells the disciples all authority has been given to me go therefore to the ends of the earth and make disciples in verse 20 teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you i want to Draw your attention to that word, all that I've commanded you, right? Not the things you like or the things that are easy or the red letters or the popular parts. All that I have commanded you. But this last part is the promise. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a promise. He tells us he's with us. He's with his disciples. You may feel alone. And maybe from an earthly standpoint, in some ways you are alone. I mean, you have your church family, right? Your brothers and sisters in Christ. But maybe you feel alone. You are not alone. I am with you, the Lord says, even to the very end. Turn with me now to Romans chapter 8. Many of you will recognize this beautiful passage. I would love to read the whole of it but I won't Romans 8:28 many of you probably know this one by heart and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose all things work together not coincidentally not randomly not mysteriously but because god is sovereignly working all things together somehow in his mysterious providence bad and good things he's working them that's a promise when you're going through something hard rest in this that god somehow has a good plan right he's working it together for good Turn with me to Philippians now, again, if you've got your Bible there, or again, pick up the Pew copy, which I couldn't say in Africa, (laughs) so that's really standing out to me right now, Philippians 4, verse 19 And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Right? God will supply your needs out of his riches in glory. And we could go on and on and on with hundreds of promises that God has made to us in the scriptures. In just a moment we'll talk about Another one of those very precious promises. God is faithful to his promises. And like Caleb and Joshua, even when we don't see exactly how it's all going to work, we should trust his promise. But there are things that God has not promised us. There are many false teachers out there saying things like this. This is prevalent here, and actually I think this kind of teaching is Largely come out of our country, which is really heartbreaking. And it was heartbreaking to share that with uh, some of the people in Kenya. There are false teachers out there saying things like this. If you follow Jesus, then your cows and your pigs won't die. If you follow Jesus, you'll always have a good harvest and your crops will grow strong and big and bigger than your neighbors who don't follow Jesus. If you follow Jesus, your wife won't miscarry. You have healthy and strong children. If you follow Jesus, you'll always have more than you need. You might even be wealthy if you follow Jesus. These are not things that are promised to us in Scripture, at least not clearly. In the Old Testament, we have places where there's a bit more of what you might call an emphasis on the physical, but in the New Testament, when we come into the New Testament, we see that really underneath all of that, God was looking at the heart all the time. And the strong emphasis in the New Testament is on the inside, on the heart. You look at the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus Himself was a man who often had no place to lay his head he was persecuted he was one who had few friends he suffered and that's the guy we're following eventually going to the cross the new testament gives us a different picture than what some of these false teachers are saying for example john 16 33 jesus said in this world you will have what? Trouble. You will have trouble. It will be hard in this world. You're going to face difficulties of all kinds. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Paul said, everyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Persecuted. If you follow Jesus... In the way the Bible says. The true Christ. You will be persecuted. Just as he was. This is. Some of what we hear. In the New Testament. God has not promised. An easy road. Beware of those. Who tell you otherwise. But the road with Jesus. Is infinitely. Better. It is a good road and a straight road, not an easy road, but it is straight. And it actually leads somewhere, leads somewhere good. Not only has Christ promised to be with us and to provide our needs and do all the things which we just saw in his word. He's promised that this road leads to the promised land Not the literal land of Canaan in the Middle East. It leads to eternal life. It leads to eternal life. Jesus has promised that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a promise. Believe in Jesus. Trust him. Your life will be preserved. No matter what. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Maybe you think, well, yeah, that might be true for that person over there who's always gone to church or that person over there who's successful and their life is really attractive and beautiful, but not for me. My sins are too big or too many. God could forgive maybe some things I've done, but certainly not that thing, certainly not this thing, whatever it might be. Maybe you think there's no way God could love you enough to do that. Maybe you just think the road with Jesus is too hard. Does that sound familiar? Those doubts? Not just, I mean, some of us perhaps in this room are thinking those things. But that's what the spies thought in Numbers 14. That's what they thought. They said our enemies are too big. The walls are too strong. There's no way we will be able to go into the land, into the promised land. No way. Let's go back and go to Egypt. It'll be better there. They did not believe the promise of God. And so they did not enter the promised land. But I want to say to you this morning, no matter how big you feel your enemies are, your sins are, your past, your weaknesses, your troubles, that does not invalidate or negate the promises of God. God says all who trust in Christ will be saved. That's the good news. His blood is powerful enough. His love is big enough. His grace is great enough. His arms are wide enough for all of us. Everyone who trusts, no matter your baggage or your past. That is God's promise. And if we simply believe, come with your mess, you say, Jesus, I don't contribute anything except my mess and my need. That's exactly the perspective you need to come to Jesus. Jesus, here's my mess. That's all I bring with simple faith and trust. And he will forgive and save you. And you will enter, just as Joshua and Caleb did, the promised land. Believe the promise of God. He never, ever, ever breaks his promises. This is the word of God for you today. Thanks be to God. Let's pray now as we transition into a final uh, closing song, a hymn of response. I want to invite our worship leaders forwards, and I'm just going to pray now that we've heard the word preached. Lord, we, we come with nothing in our hands but our mess and our sins and our longings. Our longing to be made right, our longing to stand and to be sure of the things You've said. God, our faith is often so weak. We believe, Lord, help our unbelief. I pray that each person hearing these words today would enter the promised land, would have faith. Oh Lord, help them, move them, work in them. May each person believe and be saved, no matter what the obstacles are. We trust you. We love you. And all this we pray, standing on the mighty promises of Christ our Savior. Amen.